is W0MET. Whether you're an experienced ham or just getting started, this podcast is for you. We're bringing you the latest of topics, news, and information, and all things amateur radio right here to this show. This is episode number 28, and subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. Well, welcome back. Uh, this is my first uh, recording here in my new location uh, in Massachusetts. Now, this is a temporary setup for me um, as we first moved into the house and had some uh, issues in the basement with some water coming in with some heavy rain here in Massachusetts a week or so ago. So we're just kind of, uh, we wanted to put in some new flooring and tidy up the basement a little bit as we got in the, in, in the new house. And uh, again, just a few days into it, we had water. So, uh, my studio, uh, is, uh, my wife's temporary desk upstairs here in the loft. And, um, you know, this is where I want to be for a little while until we can, uh, get the flooring and everything taken care of down there in the basement, uh, where I've got, uh, a, a full room set up, uh, or ready to be set up and put together uh, as soon as we can get new flooring installed. So, that is, um, you know, kind of the update uh, where we're coming from here. This is a live video um, podcast now. I'm trying to push for, and we'll see how this goes. And um, I'm hoping that uh, this will be a new way to go to, to upload videos to YouTube. And uh, you can see me as well, and we'll have more interaction as we go. Um, and in this episode, I want to talk a little bit about exploring the world of amateur radio. Uh, so often I think there's quite a few people who get into it, uh, and I, I know several who have, that uh, just don't um, do anything with it. And why they decide not to go there, I'm not sure. Uh, when there's so many different opportunities and, and, and things to explore within the amateur radio world. So uh, before I get into that, uh, there's things I'll kind of touch base on first, but that will be the topic for this week. And I hope you'll stay tuned for that as we go. One of the things I wanted to touch base on is a product that I've been using for quite a while. It's uh, now in the Amazon Fastening Reusable Double-Sided Self-Gripping Cable Management. It comes in like two spools of 80 feet roughly and uh, it's about half inch wide. But it's a product, I'll provide a link in the show notes on this. And I've used this uh, through my moving as a tool to wrap all kinds of sorts of cables I used HDMI cables and, and Ethernet and coax and computer power cables uh, just to help keep, keep things all together. It was nice to be able to cut my own length and to be able to wrap around a power supply or, or an extra large set of cables or something. So uh, I'll provide that link again to this Amazon uh, Velcro that you can cut your own length. Uh, it's a great cable. It seems to stay well fastened and I think it's a great product overall. So. I uh, just want to touch base with that. Uh, one of the things that I've been using a lot and uh, continue to use as well uh, as much as I can in um, all my cable management, uh, just in trying to set new things up even around the house here and wrapping uh, the Velcro and stuff up uh, around the new cables around the TV or something. I I did provide a link, uh, I think, in some prior, prior episodes. I do have a new newsletter that I'm setting up and, and that I've signed up, uh, you got to sign up for. And I've, I've tweeted that out several times, and I hope that uh, you will subscribe to my newsletter as well. Uh, it's zero cost, uh, free to you, and uh, I'll provide you know insightful tips and hints, and uh, some you know bits and, and some tech pieces in there along the way. So, um, 
I've got a trailer question uh, I'm going to be posing out there on Twitter. Uh, I don't really have any other platforms right now, unfortunately. Maybe I'll look at creating a Ham Radio Guy Discord, but it seems like there's so many other Discord channels out there. I hate to just create another uh, a group for that. Maybe I'll create a Slack group, maybe. Uh, see if people want to join that one, see where that goes. Uh, but I know a lot of people are on Discord as well, and a lot of people do use it. It's a great place to go. So we'll see what that one looks like, uh, and maybe I'll consider doing that. But right now, my platform is Twitter, and my question is going to be is, do I use a cord pass-through for like an RV to put my coax cable into the trailer, or should I use like the barrel connectors with the nuts and the rubber washers on each side uh, within the trailer to use my coax uh, for the inside of the trailer? It just stays connected all the time. Or do we look at uh, just connecting it to the outside when needed? And uh, again, the coax on the inside, maybe I can disconnect it if I need to. It's not in the way. And, you know, maybe where's the best placement for that? I, I personally think it's going to be up front somewhere. But uh, just trying to get some other feedback on that. I've looked at, again, different ways uh, of doing this. And I've got some mixed feelings from people here and there around what's the best way to get the coax into the trailer and keep it there. <clears throat> yep, it's um, evening time here and still drinking my coffee away. Um, can't go wrong with it. It's a good afternoon drink. Uh, it's my one of my th things of the day. <clears throat> so uh, I don't really have any vendor highlights for this episode here. Um, sponsor as always, uh, I still have club gear online and, uh, you know, he continues to, uh, push out new items, uh, and, and whatnot, you know, go to him for all your POTA swag and him radio gear and check out his items released. Uh, one of, one of the things being the desktop mat, uh, the POTA keychains, the metal band plans, all very popular. Uh, what I realized I got from him again, he is my brother. Uh, is that um, I was operating HF Mobile in, in my vehicle. And I realized I didn't really carry a band plan with me. And I was like, well, where does, you know, 10 meters stop? Um, you know, in the 28 megahertz area. Uh, it's kind of a pretty wide band and, and broad area to go play radio. So he has these plans that are, um, or band cards, that are about the size of a wallet. And they fit great in like a little, uh, you've seen those uh, little rubber holders that people put on the, on the back of their phones. It's got, uh, you know, for credit cards or driver's licenses. He's got similar ones that have Poder logos on them. And uh, I've got one of those that fit perfectly in the uh, visor. And, and it fits great in there to be able to, uh, be able to access my bands quickly when I'm operating HF Mobile. So he has everything you can possibly think of. Uh, you can customize uh, coins or poker chips, QSL cards, and other gear. Just email him direct from the website or visit clubgearonline.com. Well, as we kind of end in 2023 here, uh, my first probably big year of really pushing podcast uh, and getting a lot of them up uh, and running. And I think it's been a good run for this year. Uh, I've appreciated doing it. I've enjoyed doing these podcasts, and I've had a lot of fun with it. I hope that you found value and content uh, relative to your everyday ham radio operation and that, you know, you uh, have got insight into what's going on, whether it be 
maybe an upcoming ham fest in your area or possibly some event that went on uh, or just, you know, some regular news that you might not have heard of otherwise or some topic that I may have covered talking about, uh, you know, parks in the air or maybe I talked about, uh, you know, emergency communications. So anyway, I really uh, appreciate uh, the listeners. We've certainly surpassed, I, I think, 3,500 and maybe even 4,000 downloads this year. And I, I think that's doing pretty darn well. I, I can't complain about that at all. But if you'd like to continue to help support the channel and become a patron, uh, look for me on buymeacoffee.com forward slash the ham radio guy. There's three levels you can support me at, just a dollar a month for uh, the technician or, you know, move all the way up to the extra class membership and get extra benefits, get early release of information if you want. So anyway, I hope that uh, you will find this uh you know, uh, useful. And I appreciate you supporting the channel and what you got with the amateur radio news, uh, release of, you know, December 27th here. I'm not going to push anything out this week. I really got a lot more of a topic talking about exploring the world of amateur radio that I want to get into. But, um, you know, the most, uh, important thing this week is just try to figure out why people get into amateur radio that, and, and don't do a lot with it when there's so many different things like on the air and technical, experimental, uh, instructional, um, you know, and teaching others about ham radio, emergency community service, uh, and just even a social aspect of it, even of having the ability to um, uh, communicate uh, with others and, 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 you know, join clubs and whatever the case might be. So as we move into, um, the topic of the week here, again, kind of short and brief for some, but uh, it is my first video podcast, and um, it is the uh, first from a new location here in Massachusetts and in a temporary location. Um, not the greatest of setup, maybe, but uh, hopefully it will uh, do well, uh, and I hope that you'll enjoy this topic and think about these things and find some of those uh, people that I'm talking about here and maybe look at mentoring them here uh, in 2024. Now, <clears throat> what I've found is, you know, I'll, I'll call these informal observations. And <clears throat> many licensees are not active in amateur radio at all, which I've mentioned. And most of those that are, are active um, are VHF and UHF. And I can say I was in those... Um, exact same two fields for you know many years of my amateur radio career when I first got my license I was kind of active I was on and off VHF UHF repeaters and, and did some occasional simplex maybe did a little bit of a uh, skywarn type of stuff occasionally but I didn't really get into HF I didn't upgrade my licenses I didn't really get into any of that and it wasn't until I moved to Tennessee when I really got you know more excited about amateur radio and moving up and everything I did was more on a local level. So is this a question of people getting into amateur radio and being bored? Or do they just not understand all the different areas in amateur radio that you can explore? And, you know, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of um, possibilities and areas that people just aren't familiar with 
and they don't know, and maybe they're even, I don't want to say scared, but uh, just the fear of the unknown of what to do or how to get into it. And, and we don't do a great job training or mentoring others to help them once they get their license. So, you know, there, there's so many things, you know, uh, you can do of doing digital modes on HF, or you can become an instructor and teach courses, you know, do Morse code, you can do de-expeditions, you can do contesting, you join a club, there's Skywarn, um, learn how to build an antenna, do APRS, uh, you know, uh, be a part of ARRL, you can do POTA or SOTA, uh, Islands on the Air, uh, you know, just MCOM and just build battery boxes and all kinds of stuff you can get into and start to learn amateur radio with. And I mean, those are just, again, I just touched base on the highlight of a few. And so I think there's a lot more uh, that people would enjoy getting into if they just knew more about it. And the thing with amateur radio is we have so much more of a wide spectrum of radio frequencies to go play on compared to like FRS or GMRS, um, you know, MERS, any of those frequencies like that. We, a CB, uh, we're like, unlike any other radio service across the board. And, you know, we can, um, talk to faraway places and we can talk locally. We can go, you know, with the digital mobile radio or Yaesu system fusion, DMR, talk around the world on, on a two meter handheld, you know, it's just, it's crazy all the things that we can do. And so my question first is what allures you, uh, or what allured you into amateur radio? Um, what was your topic or, or subject that got you interested and, and why? And so, um, I would like to know that, and maybe that's a question I'll pose on, on, um, um, on, on, on Twitter by chance. And we get to do all this, um, without the really using internet. Uh, yeah, I'm sure APRS and. System Fusion and some of these things do use internet, but we don't necessarily need it. We have, you know, the um, great thing of propagation that allows us to get into amateur, amateur radio and, and really talk around the world uh, with it. And, and that's just a beautiful thing, really, in my mind. And, and I, I, I think it's great. And I'm not sure it's still recording there. There we go. And so, um, I mean, you've got just within HF bands itself, you can do phone or CW, um, you can do any type of digital, uh, PSK, you know, FT8, um, FL Digi, WinLink, you can do slow scan TV. So, so many different things on, on HF you can do alone. Um, that it's worth the world of exploring and and really enjoying. So um, I have absolutely just a blast getting in and doing some of these things. Now, there's things like CW. Do I have interest? I do. I just, I, I'm, I have a fear myself. I don't understand hearing the different tones between dits and dahs and spaces between the different words. Um, 
FT8 and FT4. I've, I've done some FT8, uh, very similar to FT4, but um, I, I kind of find it boring, to be honest. I can sit there and make contacts over voice and just have a, have a pile up and work those, and it's just great. Um, there's nothing more like a rush than getting that um, to happen. And, and being out at a park or being at your house and doing some type of contest or even a field day, uh, is just absolutely uh, a rush. And I've known people who went out and started doing parks in the air and they like, Oh my gosh, this is so much fun. And, and that's what drove them to do more and more and more. And they got really interested with things just because of that. So, um, I think that makes a world of difference. Um, again, there's, you know, field days or winter field days. Uh, there's contesting, um, you know, you can do DXing and go around the world. Uh, or if you just have friends that you want to talk with around the world, uh, you know, around the country on a regular basis, that's things you can certainly do. So uh, those are all very popular things that people get to do on air on activities on, on their time and, and their their dates. Um, there's also special activities or events that you have, like uh, the Parks on the Air plaque event. You have Route 66 the 13 colonies, you've got uh, the 12 days of Christmas, all kinds of different um, special events. Uh, there's battleship events and the Indy 500 event every year they do a, you know, for the race car, they have a special event station for that. So you can just do chasing events with certificates and whatnot uh, alone and just stay busy with those. I, I don't think there's a weekend that goes by throughout the year there's probably not a special event or contest weekend going on of some sort uh, within amateur radio. I mean, the, the schedule is usually just absolutely just packed to try and find a free weekend to do some of the things. And I know that's even one of the, the challenges that, you know, Parks on the Air has had before in trying to do a, a plaque event. So, um, you know, nets are another uh, event that you can check in on the Marine Net or the um, Old Miss Net, and there's the um, oh, there's another big one I'm thinking of that I'm missing, and I'm sure if I had somebody live here, we could talk about it, and I'd know exactly what we're talking about. But I want to say it's a CQ one of some sort, but uh, you can find nets. I mean, there's Christian nets and all kinds of different things out there um, along the way that uh, you can do. And, and just, you know, almost do those constantly as well. Uh, there's usually a net on the air sometime throughout the day, uh, most time periods. So, you know, feel free to always hop on one of them. Now, a lot of these things I'm talking about are HF related. And they do require you to get your general or, or extra license. But um, there's... More you can do on VHF and UHF too, don't get me wrong. But I think your world of opportunity that opens up to you is much greater when you can get your HF license and start being in a general or, or extra class. And the opportunities for you to do even more is, is just greater because you have more band privilege at that point. <clears throat> so... Don't think just because you don't have your HF that you can't do these things, but maybe you can't do quite as much. Um, 
there's still Winlink over, you know, VHF and UHF. There's still contacts over long distances through DMR fusion. You can, you know, echo link, uh, all kinds of stuff there. You have all-star nodes. You can do cross-band re uh, repeater connections. So there is <clears throat> a lot you can do uh, with, with VHF and UHF as well. And it's not just limited to what you got, but let's really uh, dig in this a little bit more is, again, when I did VHF and UHF, I was fine with that for a long time. But I didn't really know that you had Winlink over, uh, you know, VHF or Bear FM, uh, Winlink Express. I didn't know about those type of things. Um, DMR and C4FM, I don't think in the late 90s was really there. Uh, I think they've kind of come into um, existence since then. I could be wrong. But I don't really recall them uh, back then uh, being such a big thing. But, you know, are people, sometimes people hear amateur radio. It's like, well, that's dead. Then nobody's doing any of that anymore. There's no Morse code. <clears throat> and I think Morse code actually today is probably more alive than dead. As I know more and more people have gotten to be able to pass and, and take on Morse code and have the ability to to perform, uh, you know, CW um, conversations. So um, I, I would beg to differ on that. And if you have a different comment, please feel free to let me know. Uh, you know, tw tweet it out. Let me know. Uh, include me on that. I'd love to hear more on a, on a conversation about that. Love to be able to talk to about somebody more about that and what that exists uh, of, the, of the existence of, of CW. And I think it's really got more of an increased following now than it probably ever has. And <clears throat> there's probably less less people doing it than single sideband, but more people are getting into it because there's a lot of room down there in the CW area of the bands typically where people operate that aren't being used that you can, and of course you can get through a lot better on CW than you can even on a voice operation. So I think people are starting to learn that and pick that up a little bit more. But did cell phones and text messaging um, kill amateur radio? I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so at all. I think there's more people getting into that, especially since COVID. More people have gotten into ham radio than ever before. Um, and, and the number of licenses have, have certainly increased across the board. Now, I mean, you used to have things like auto patch with cell phones that uh, you know, don't really exist anymore on repeaters, but uh, and there may be a few repeaters out there still with them, but um, it just it's not needed necessarily, especially with the amount of cell coverage that we have. And, um, you know, if you talk about FM simplex complex, uh, contacts, um, you know, we know those are just, you know, point-to-point -point stations using, you know, direct contact without going through a repeater. Um and a lot of people through FM, you know, VHF and UHF uh, can make a, you know, a contact through DMR, D-Star Fusion. I kind of mentioned that a few minutes ago. Over long, longer distances, you can be into groups and get into sessions. And you can, again, talk on Echolink via the Internet and, and, and be part of other groups uh, as well. Um, now, those groups are not necessarily interchangeable. 
They are kind of standalone per se, but they are good to be a part of. I've got DMR infusion myself, hoping to put up a new fusion gate here uh, of some sort that people can access uh, down the road. Uh, I haven't got there yet, but uh, again, trying to get that basement squared away and we'll get there. So there's, you know, um, single sideband two meters. Now talk about something that's kind of dead and, and not very active. You've got to really hit those two meter hotspots when they come through and propagation is just right to really make a good contact down there in that lower 144, like 200, I think it is, is your single sideband operations uh, for for VHF. But um, I've tried to use it several times. I've got an arrow antenna. No, sorry. It's an elk uh, antenna that, um, you know, I, I've tried to use during field days and make some VHF, UHF contacts with it. Haven't had a lot of luck, but uh, maybe we'll try again this year. Uh, I will be in Massachusetts, a different group, more heavy, dense uh, population here. So we might see what we can do for summer field day. I will be tied up with winter field day on, on another event, but something we can certainly look at doing. Um you know, other things that besides just repeater operation or simplex operation, you, again, you can do MCOM or you can send WinLink uh, over uh, FM. Uh, you can do Echolink. Um, can you do SOTA over up on the hilltops, summits um, with VHF, UHF? Absolutely, you certainly can. Is it a little tougher? Probably. It's even probably tougher with doing parks on the air and making a park-to-park -park contact over a VHF, UHF, unless you had kind of a group of you in, in a certain range with uh, several people uh, in different parks and kind of have it prearranged uh, like an event. And then that would, um, you know, maybe help you get some parks on the air contacts that way. Uh, but summits on the air, I've known several people to do VHF co contacts on that or UHF, and that actually works out really well. So not bad there. But um, there's all kinds of local local nets usually on on VHF UHF you can uh, get, uh, and of course one of the things that I had a guy in my local club back in uh, Tennessee, uh, fairly young in the amateur radio, fairly young himself, and um, he was able to do satellites and he got a whole kit put together, and he did a great job at it, making contacts, and uh, become part of AMSAT and work some of those. Uh, stations on satellites when the when the satellites pass over and through the area and it can just be an absolute blast something I got into amateur radio for myself but I've never really spent a lot of time doing again something I want to learn something I want to do is satellite operation I've got the tools to do it but uh, just kind of taking that first step and trying to do it without feeling like I'm going to fail because I can't make my first contact or maybe I don't hear them or they don't hear me um I, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. It's just, it, it is the way it goes. And so I'm kind of hoping that, uh, you know, something I can get into, maybe we'll try that more this summer and see how that works. Um, another thing I've talked about was just briefly, I mentioned was MCOM and being involved in your local Aries or your local um, EMA, Emergency Management Agency, and, and having, uh, being a part of the local emergency communication group that will have, uh, you know, times of disaster, uh, the, 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 the strike that you can be called out to <clears throat> assist with that communication and hope that, uh, 
you know, you can uh, be a, an integral part of that uh, event when that happens. And that's, you know, a lot to prepare for. Uh, usually you have like a task book you want to be part of and, and things you need to know about emergency operations and how those work. And, and taking some of those courses, um, like uh, your, your um, 100, 200, 700, 800 courses, uh, NIMS courses, um, National Emergency Management Agencies, um, you know, those are certainly helpful to have. And a lot of like ARIES groups and stuff or clubs will require you to have those uh, as part of your uh, license as well. One of the things that's probably the most fun to do is a, is a fox hunt uh, as well for doing VHF and UHF operation. Sometimes people will just put those foxes out there at random and you find the tone and you just go to follow it and see if you can hunt it down. So <clears throat> there's so many different things where um, you can you can operate. Uh, you can operate at home uh, just in your two meter FM you know, VHF, UHF station at home. You can have obviously mobile. We had a morning drive club that several of us would get on and we're always driving downtown every day to work. And so we'd, you know, have our morning round table that we did. Um, you can have your portable operations, um, probably more HF, more than VHF, but um, you can do that. Again, your de-expeditions. And then you have your POTA, SOTA, islands on the air, etc. Uh, you have your field days, uh, winter and summer. So feel free to, you know, have different ways to operate where you can, um, you know, participate still. Um, there's all kinds of, you know, again, anniversaries and historical famous people out there that have had amateur radio call signs. And, um, you know, you feel free to explore those and find some of those on your own. I'll see if I can find a couple links and put them in show notes if I can uh, to some of the special event stations like 13 Colonies, Route 66, 12 Days of Christmas. Those are the ones that really come to mind. There's another one um, that's in like August or September, I think around Labor Day weekend. Um, there's the Battleship on the Air one. Again, some of those special events that, you, you know, that really is fun to get those certificates or get the QSL cards from them. And so that's a lot of fun in itself. So if you, you know, get into amateur radio and you don't find what you're looking for, for getting your radio license, um, ask somebody, talk to them. You know, um, sometimes I've seen a lot of people just go out and get their bail thing, 20, $25 radio. And that's, they're now calling themselves ham radio. Uh, I've got my license. I've got my radio. I'm good to go. That's all I need. And I really, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, I always just shake my head and go, ah, oh, big sigh. You know, it's like, okay, let me help you out here. And there's so many people that I have helped and, and people have come up to me as I left Tennessee and I said, hey, we really uh, appreciate you. That's why we got into ham radio because of you. And, uh, you know, that's always a great feeling. And, and I appreciate hearing that. And I'm glad that I could help make other people's amateur radio experience as good as it has been for mine, for me. Uh, and, and, you know, what I've had happen. Um, but, you know, is I can't tell you what piece of equipment is right to buy for you. Um, 
you know, not sure what equipment you need. Um, I can usually give you some suggestions. I'm always glad to help. Uh, give you some antennas. I had a guy who was wanting to put a ATAS 120 on his chimney, you know. Is it possible? Yeah. Is it the greatest antenna to use for that? Probably not. So, uh, you know, sometimes maybe it's just a fear of how to program the VHF and UHF radials. I've, here I am now new to Massachusetts, and I have to reprogram all my radials to now include Tennessee. Of course, I'm a, a, a you know a, a part-time resident of Wisconsin, and uh, now I'm here, and there's some, a lot of travel between Wisconsin and and um, you know Kansas City, where my family is. So I'll have a whole bank of different radios, and I wish more radios would have banks so I could sw uh, quickly switch to those uh, when need to. But um, you know, I, I think programming radios it is very time-consuming. It can be challenging when you're trying to figure out how to set up this right sequence to get the radio to, to read or write. Um, you definitely have to read the manual sometimes or, or watch the videos on YouTube to help figure some of those things out, how somebody else might have done it on that radio. And then knowing where to find some of those things, whether it's radio reference, uh, the repeater book, uh, the ARRL just manually doing it you know, page by page in the, in the old ARRL. Uh, repeater book that they produce still. So um, I, I prefer to do radio reference and, and, and the repeater book online. That is my uh, go-to most of the time. But, um, you know, I, I you know, that that's kind of where I've gone with it. That's what I've always done. I, I do like sticking with most of my radios are Yesus, so I can use some similar software sometimes and it's a little easier to program versus having and a Linko handheld and a Kenwood, you know, mobile. And then you have, um, you know, and a Yesu HF. And so it can become complicated to have all the different types of radios. And I would suggest if you kind of get it, you stick with, um, you know, what, with what you got. If you got Yesu handhelds and go Yesu mobile and Yesu HF, uh, it just makes it easy. But you can certainly do what you want there. So. Um, you know, I think sometimes people just getting started, uh, after buying the radio is getting on the air and getting, um, you know, getting that, uh, to work, um, having the mic fright, uh, you know, and getting on there, but now getting on the air. So that's, it can always be kind of fun and challenging as well. Um, maybe go reach out to your local club, find out what others have for radios because they might have programming cables. They've got a programming already, uh, code plug created for you. Uh, you know, they might be able to loan your radio. Say, Hey, I'm looking to buy a new radio. Uh, I really look at like maybe say the Yesu, uh, FT five D and you're going, well, you know, let me see if I have somebody that has one here locally that you can play with it, figure it out, see if you like it or not before you go spend the 500 bucks for the new radio is always a great way to go as well. Um, you know, there, there's so much when you go to ham radio outlet or gigaparts and you look online or, uh, you know, any other of the other major vendors that sell radios, or you look, just look at the ICOM or Yesu websites even, and, and Kenwood kind of in there too, but let's say Yesu and ICOM are the, the two major ones. And you kind of like what radios were there, or you go to a ham fest and you start looking at all the different radios on the different, you know, um, used equipment on, on the tables in, in the, uh, 
we call it the junkyard sometimes, but usually there's some very fine radios and, and great equipment in there that, you know, uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure, they say. So, uh, but you know, what radio is good? How do you know what's good? What's bad? Have you tested it? Can you check it out? So it's just a lot to really get, you know, uh, in touch with and to figure out when you're first getting into this, it can be very overwhelming. I have no doubt. Um, I usually recommend the radio, if Yesu has a code plug a program software for programming your radio, I would suggest using that. Um, Chirp is a great way to go, but it doesn't cover all radios sometimes. And more of the ICOM and Yesu radios, <coughs> it will um, cover some of those, but not all of them all the time. I guess it's going to be a longer podcast here. As we're going 36 minutes into this now, uh, again, that's a lot to kind of take in and, and, and really figure out uh, a lot of roadblocks I could really try and cover and go into. And, and really, I think maybe I might create a second podcast out of this because if I go into this, um, I could be another, you know, several minutes um, looking at some of these things. But thinking of, um, you know, becoming uh, a, a member of your club and looking at, uh, you know, uh, net control maybe and, and you know, um, so many different things that you have to try and figure out as you get into uh, what, what are grid squares and um, learning logging software, uh, learning the programming software for the radios, um, you know, those sort of things. Um, how to, you know, follow people on podcast podcasts and who do you follow and, and what are your uh, interests there? Um, you know, there are some great YouTubers out there that really do put out a great video. Um, you know, I, I've kind of all considered myself always a, 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 just a podcast, an audio one, but, uh, I've gotten increased views on YouTube and I think people may want to see that or just sit there and just listen to it as we go. So we're, we're trying to put this together. And, and see how this uh, works. Um, but there's, again, so many different things that you can do in amateur radio. Um, even on educational support, you can support youth activities. And, and you can learn how to do kit building. Uh, there's a guy out in Nebraska. I'm going to draw a blank on his uh, name and call sign off hand. I want to say N0NAB or something like that, or K0NAB. And I know that's not exactly right, but... Um, you'll see him at Hamfest. He's got the big, uh, Sam, I am, you know, curious George type hat on big, tall red hat. Um, and I, I know people are going to go, Oh, that's him. It's like, yeah. And I'm drawing a blank on his name off the top of my head as I, you know, go through this uh, podcast, but he's great at technical building activities. Uh, he does, does a great job at it. I had a guy in my club who did Arduino. He enjoyed doing it. And, uh, you know, we built a few antennas, even my club, as we, as we uh, you know, did some dipoles and we did a J-pole out of uh, copper pipe. So, uh, you know, even nowadays, as much as um, getting into amateur radio with computer and, and using, using those uh, devices to log your software and create sound modes for WinLink or FT8, uh, linking computers together for field days, uh, you know, remote uh, operation with computers, um, you know, repeater controlling uh, programming, 
just all kinds of stuff um, that you can get into for, you know, social media, watching your amateur radio, uh, you know, YouTubers, um, you know, just doing your, your, maybe your club activities, uh, whether it be treasury work or something else that you're, you're getting involved in. So there's just so much stuff that, uh, you know, I could look into again, I've talked about income a little bit. Uh, we've talked about, you know, local stuff, uh, getting into emergency management. Um, you know, I, I hope that you can find your path that you're wanting to go and depending on your license class. And if you are a technician, find a way to upgrade to general so you can do more upgrade, expand your possibilities. Um, you know, there's lots of clubs and licensees ways to get licensed out there. Um, I would say ham radio prep would be my choice and then getting testing through the W5YI group. But, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the only way you go. Uh, there's ham radio tests and all kinds of other ways you can find a local club that may be putting on a sponsorship of a, of a technician course. And maybe you'll find a training net of some sort. Uh, you know, there's people who on YouTube who have done ham radio courses. So, you know, just, you know, find a buddy, maybe study with them, get them involved in amateur radio. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of different ways to do that. And so, you know, find your path of what you want to do in ham radio and, and go for it. Uh, learn that become, become a field expert on what you want to do, whether again, a satellite operation, you want to do FTA to know everything about that. You know, everything about APRS, um, you know, you want to just go with contesting or DXing uh, and, and become, you know, get all the certificates, do all the different special event stations. I mean, again, your, your opportunity is, is just endless, basically, of, of what you can do. So, um, you know, find, find activity and, and, and try it. Um, and if you don't like it, then move on to something else that might be, um, you know, something more up your lines of, of what you want to do. And, you know, having a mentor available to you to help you with some of these things when you don't know what the answer is or how to go about doing it can make all the difference in the world. So um, I hope that uh, you'll find something in your amateur radio exploration in 2024 that will... Um, you know, get you excited, uh, that you'll learn from and that you can, you know, uh, find ways to keep up with the amateur radio news and events and, and everything that's changing about it all the time. Uh, it is constant. Um, it is, um, constantly changing and there are things that are happening all the time in amateur radio and it is not boring or dying by any means. I want to say thank you for listening this week and uh, hope that uh, you enjoyed this topic and that you found interesting stuff around this. So um, please feel free to reach out again with any questions or comments that you have. And uh, if you would you know, like uh, to know more, please contact me, W0MET at thehamradioguide.com. Well, if you're looking for all things ham radio related, visit the Ham Radio Guy website at thehamradioguide.com for informative content, product reviews, show notes, and exciting blog posts. Join the conversation on your favorite podcast platform to stay up to date with the latest trends and news in the ham radio world. Connect with us on Twitter, 
uh, at the ham radio guy for even more updates and engaging interactions. And don't miss out on the fun and knowledge sharing and to subscribe to the ham radio guy today. Again, reach out to that newsletter and uh, we'll keep you up to date with what's going on. Well, as again, we're just shy of the new year here. Uh, January 6th, Ham Radio University is hosting the ARRL New York City Long Island Section Convention in Brookville, New York. January 19th to the 20th, the Cowtown Ham Fest. Of course, I can imagine where that's going to be at. The ARRL North Texas Section Convention in Forest Hills, Texas. And the Winterfest, I hope that would be uh, somewhere in a place that might be cold. The ARRL Midwest Division Convention in Collinsville, Illinois. And finally, of course, where we'll probably all be meeting, and I won't be there unfortunately, is Orlando Hamcation hosting the ARRL Florida State Convention in Orlando, Florida, February 9th through the 11th. So, uh, again, I've got some other ties uh, going on February 9th through the 11th. I'd love to be at Orlando, but... Um, We'll hopefully see you um, soon after. Um, definitely a date and I will be there. Well, I want to uh, wish you all a happy new year. And we'll thank all of you who have downloaded episodes, became subscribers, and I'm proud to be a part of the Ham Radio family. Hope that you will continue to follow me in the new year as we continue to explore new topics and, and have new interviews. I've got some exciting things coming up unplanned as we go forward. And again, if you enjoy the podcast, we'd appreciate if you become a subscriber wherever you get your podcast. If you can rate and review the show, go out to Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Hell, you can just go old school and tell friends and family and neighbors, anybody you, you think that might want to hear a podcast like this with its informative and newsworthy. If you're on social media, be sure to follow us on Twitter at buymeacoffee.com and listen to the YouTube version on the W0MET channel. Again, hopefully you learned something this week and that you will uh, help you in your ham radio operations. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to leave them on Twitter or podcast platforms or email me at W0MET at thehamradioguide.com. As always, this is your ham radio buddy in the chair and on the air, the ham radio guy. I say 73. <laughs>